Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, you haven't done your homework. I'm going to ask you to leave, and you can come back after you've properly prepped. <laughs> you mean, All Luke, right. you haven't listened to the 55 episodes that you already published? <laughs> I got through the first 37, and then I kind of forgot about it. Talking about health is manly. It's not a sign of weakness like a lot of guys think. And think about your health like the currency that enables you to do all the things that you want to do. This is Who Cares About Men's Health. It's a podcast that gives you information and inspiration to better understand and engage in your health so you feel better today in the future. My name is Scott Singpill. I'm the manager of thescoperadio.com, and I care about men's health. And I'm Dr. Troy Madsen. I'm an emergency physician at the University of Utah, and I care about men's health. And I am Dr. Luke Johnson. I'm a dermatologist. I see both kids and adults at the University of Utah, and I care about men's health oh it's so exciting to have a uh, somebody new on the podcast now dr johnson don't be uh, don't be offended that troy's not clapping for you that i'm the only one clapping for you he's kind of a tough he's a tough guy to win over so that's right cool. that's right i reserve my applause <laughs> we'll, we'll wait till the performance is concluded yeah i'm the guy who you know in utah everyone always gives a standing ovation it's just like the utah thing i'm the guy who sits there until <laughs> until i really feel it <laughs> All right. So we'll see how you do today. Um, on the podcast, you know, we talk about the core four plus one, one more, which is to be healthy now and in the future, you got to watch out for your nutrition, your activity, your sleep, your mental health, and the plus one more is your genetics. Um, skin isn't one of those core four plus one more, although we're going to find out if it can tie into one of those, if it is important to our health in some way, shape or form. The name of this episode is called how much should men care about their skin? And that's why we have Dr. Johnson on. And Troy, I wanted to ask you, yeah. how much do you care about your skin? Do you oh, have a skin regimen? I do. I do have a skin regimen. I, I, really? yeah, I do. I wear sunscreen every day. I wear 30, it's like a, a facial moisturizer sunscreen. And maybe I'm revealing too much information here, Scott. I don't know, but I use no, This facial... is the right thing to say when there's a dermatologist on the show. <laughs> <There's a> dermatolo <laughs> I know I prepped for this. I just started wearing it this morning. <laughs> like flossing before you go to the dentist. That's right, exactly. <laughs> right. Like we like, think we're going to fool the dentist by yeah. flossing a couple days before our appointment. <laughs> oh, exactly. Like I can make up for years of neglect, surely. <laughs> no, I do. I do wear uh, 30 sunblock every day and because I'm outside a lot, you know, I run a lot. So and I actually have 50 sunblock I wear too. I don't do it as a facial moisturizer. I put on my ears, you know, my neck, my arms, all that when I, especially if I'm outside running. Um, so yes, I, I do. And I have been for a full skin exam. It's been uh, three years. It was my wife, Laura, really encouraged me to go after she had a bout of, uh, I, I don't, she doesn't mind me telling this, but uh, she did have a bout of uh, squamous cell carcinoma on her face and had to have that removed. Um, so that was a little bit of a scare for her. So she encouraged me. So yes, short answer, I do care about my skin. I do have a skin regimen I follow. As we do this episode, I want to give you my view because I think my view is going to be a bit distorted. So some of the things I say are going to be influenced by how I grew up. My dad was a rancher. So, um, you know, he didn't exactly complain about, you know, his his uh, his chapped hands very much. Right. <laughs> or his leathery, um, leathery skin. Yeah. The yeah. skin skin care wasn't necessarily on the top of the list of the things that he did. But I will say he always did wear long sleeves when he was out in the field and a cowboy hat outside to protect his ears. Mm. So he did do that. So he did and, care. He just didn't complain about it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, to some extent, he did care. Um, and after a recent dermatology visit, I started doing the same. Um and cowboy, cowboy hat included? Uh, no, I don't have the cowboy hat. No. I wear a ball cap, which I think Dr. Johnson's going to tell me is probably not a great idea, probably but I do put best. sunscreen on my ears. Mm -hmm. um, and if I get really itchy, I might use lotion, but it doesn't always work. So that's kind of my view of taking care of my skin. And now, if you talk to women, 
a lot of times many women, that's, I mean, that's a major topic for them, right? So Dr. Johnson, I want to start out, first of all, why don't men talk about their skin as much as women do? Well, I think the times are changing and men are more likely to talk about it now. But I think that there's this old school feeling of to be manly, you have to be Scott's father and be out on the ranch, (laughs) maybe wearing a cowboy hat, maybe wearing a shirt and not complaining too much about anything. Yeah. Just moving forward. But, you know, the stereotypical woman's approach and the stereotypical man's approach are kind of at opposite ends and probably somewhere in the middle is where we should all be. Right. Yeah. Um, so the episode that we wanted to do today was, um, we wanted to talk about how much should a man care about their skin. And Dr. Johnson has come up with three things that if you're going to care about your skin, that these are the things that you should worry about because we're all about simplifying things as much as we can here. So, um, let's go ahead and get into the episode. So if I only had time to worry about three things when it comes to my skin, what would they be? And let's start with number one. So number one is that your skin helps keep you healthy. Most of us sort of take it for granted that our skin is there doing its job. And for most of us, it does. The way it goes wrong, one of the most common ways it goes wrong is when it develops skin cancer. So if you're a man, you're at higher risk for skin cancer than if you are a woman. So I think you should be extra vigilant about it. And Troy, you mentioned squamous cell carcinoma. So I think the dermatology community has done a good job educating the general public about melanoma, which is perhaps the most dangerous type of skin cancer. But there are other kinds out there as well, which are way more common, not as dangerous, but they don't show up so much like changing moles. So it's important to be on the lookout for these other things as well. And I think it's something, too. I, I think it's something, too, where, you know, certainly here in the Mountain West, my understanding is we are at higher risk of of melanoma in particular, but a number of skin cancers. That is true, especially here in Utah, which is the number one melanoma state in the nation. There's a lot of white people, there's a lot of elevation, there's a lot of sun, and there's a lot of outdoor activity. And how does elevation make us at higher risk for this? Like, what is, how does that play into it? There's less protection between us and the sun. So all of that intervening air and whatever else is in it helps diffract some of the UV radiation. Yeah. So essentially up here at, you know, between five and 10,000 feet, wherever we are, it's just, yeah, like that UV radiation and just, just a whole lot more of that coming at us. So at very least, you should care about your skin because of skin cancer, which could severely impact your health. Now, uh, if somebody's a younger individual, uh, is the decisions they make now going to affect their life down the road? Well, of course. So most skin cancer is thought to be due to accumulated sun exposure that you've had over years and years and years. And then particular bouts where you had a really bad sunburn or something sort of jumps up your risk significantly. But the people who are outside all day because of their hobby or their profession are definitely more at risk. So start protecting your skin now. But if you're 90 years old and you haven't protected your skin your whole life, Still not too late. So no excuse. (laughs) Buy the cowboy hat. That's good to hear. So um, I think most people know this, but it's worth hearing again. Uh, Like, actually, I'm going to frame it this way. Uh, What would be just the best thing in the world as you as a dermatologist to see uh, a guy do to protect their skin? Like this is the, the penultimate, man. You would get so giddily excited if you saw this happening. I think looking at your skin and talking to a dermatologist if you see anything that you're worried about. 
Most of these skin cancers that are not melanoma start off really mild, and they just need a real simple little surgical procedure to cut out that area of skin, and then they're basically cured. It's kind of heartbreaking to see some people who've ignored this funny spot on their skin for 10 or 15 years as it grows bigger and becomes painful. There's stories about ranchers, no offense to your dad, and farmers and people like that who finally are thrust into the dermatologist's office by their wives because they can't stand the smell of this necrotic sore mm. on their scalp anymore. Oh, uh, you're oh. kidding me. It smells? It can. Oh. And then, you know, sometimes these people die from their skin cancer that could have been taken care of very easily earlier. So pay right. attention. And so, uh, I guess what, in terms of paying attention, though, for me, it's 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 tough because I think sometimes I overreact to stuff and, you know, kind of like, oh, is that cancer? Is that cancer? What do you recommend? Is it kind of a monthly thing? Do you recommend just the skin exam on a yearly or maybe every other year basis with a dermatologist? What, what would you say is the best approach for, for men to do? It's interesting that you ask for my opinion because there is no actual consensus or guidelines from major dermatology communities. Um, I feel that everybody should have a full body skin check like at least once in their life, hmm. maybe in their 20s, so that the dermatologist can give them sort of a general risk assessment. And then anything new or changing is probably worth letting somebody know about. And you're hmm. right that a lot of that stuff is benign, but some of it isn't. And, uh, you know, it's probably worth seeing 80 benign lesions to catch the one skin cancer that could really be a problem. And protecting uh, oneself outside. Is Troy doing all the right things? Is sunscreen, uh, you know, that high SPF sunscreen on his arms and on his face and his ears and nose, is that enough? Or do you really need to wear the, the hat with the big brim that protects your ears and long sleeve shirts? Well, Troy, you are an inspiration. Thank, thank you. <laughs> so all of those measures have been shown to decrease risk. So the wide-brimmed hat, especially helpful, especially for people who don't have a lot of hair on their heads. And the ball cap is definitely a step in the right direction, Scott. So good job there. Our favorites are the big wide-brimmed hats that can shade your neck and your ears as well. Sunscreen, definitely a good idea. SPF 30 or greater is usually what we say. And then after we convince people to finally use it, our next hurdles are to get them to use it the right way. So most people use about half of the amount of sunscreen that is used in the studies to determine its SPF value. So use mm -hmm. more. Wow. And then if you're out in the sun, you're supposed to reapply it every 90 minutes to two hours because it gets wiped away or washed off or sweated off. Hmm. So I'm probably so not doing it right. Like I'm feeling good about myself, but... I'm definitely not reapplying it every two hours. So that's, uh, yeah, that's something I probably need to think about. Is it an either or, either sunscreen or long sleeves and a hat that protects your ears and neck? Or does it need to be both? It doesn't need to be both. It probably both gives you more protection. And if you're going to do the sunscreen or the sun protective clothing thing, there are particular fabrics out there that have what they call a UPF rather than SPF. And they are designed to help protect your skin against, against the sun. So, for example, I have these sun protective shirts that are long sleeved. And it sounds like wearing a long sleeve shirt when it's 90 degrees outside would be miserable. But they're designed for this purpose. So they're kind of light and breezy. And I can then ignore my arms when it comes to sunscreen. You know, I got to say, my dad, you know, I never as a when I was younger, couldn't understand how he could stand to be outside with long sleeve shirt on, you know, and he'd wear a T-shirt underneath it. And as a kid, you know, first of all, I wanted to have a tan because, it, you know, it looks healthy. Right. Allegedly. But really, we you know, that's not healthy. One of the best things my dermatologist ever said to me was, 
you've got a really nice tan there. It looks great. Um, like to see a little bit less of that. (laughs) (laughs) But long sleeve shirts aren't that bad. They aren't, especially if they're made for that purpose. So with modern textiles, it's a lot easier. And people who tan easily or who have dark skin tend to be under this misapprehension that they don't need to use sunscreen at all. But in fact, whether you tan or whether you have the darkest skin on the planet, the sun still increases your risk. So look out. All right. So how much should men care about their skin? At very least, you should care about your skin because of your health and skin cancer. It's a cumulative effect. You should be using that high-powered SPF sunscreen, um, wearing the appropriate clothing and protecting uh, yourself against those nasty sunburns. So, Dr. Johnson, let's pretend for a second that there is a man that's still listening because we're talking about skin, so I'm sure we've (laughs) lost most of them. Uh, If they want to care a little bit more, why would be a good reason to care a little bit more? Well, your skin can keep you looking young and vigorous for many years. So you can always tell the dermatologists in the medical center because they're the ones who always look 10 years younger than they are, and it's because they know how to take care of their skin. I just assumed it's because you chose a specialty that allows you to sleep at night. <laughs> That's like true. The, like the hey. rest of us idiots. But, but it's Way to probably bring in your the core four. You, you, guys are, you guys are bringing the core four, and you're taking care of your skin. So that makes sense. So there's some research that shows that 80% of the appearance of aging on the face is due to... Again, chronic sun exposure. Hmm. 80%. That's a ton. Wow. That is significant. So so that that healthy tan at first really turns into a not healthy looking thing down the road. For sure. So if you are protecting your skin with sunscreen for skin cancer prevention, good news. It also makes you look younger. And then there is one other cream sort of product that I feel has been convincingly shown to be helpful to reduce the appearance of aging. And that is a compound, a group of compounds called retinoids. Hmm. And they're in a number of these over-the-counter like anti-aging serums and stuff. But really, if you're going to buy it over-the-counter, probably the best choice is, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say brand names. Yeah, but okay. Okay, so there's a product called Differin Gel. Adapalene is the scientific name of this medicine. And it was a prescription medicine that cost $200 a bottle until about four years ago when it became over-the-counter and now costs $12. Oh, wow. So a rare case of medicine moving in the right direction. Yeah. So this is another way to help keep your skin looking young and vigorous. You just put a blob on your finger at night, dot it all over your face, and rub it in. And then there are prescription strengths, too. This is, you said different, like D-I-F-F-E-R-I-N? That's right. Wow. That sounds like a pretty easy thing to use. That's pretty remarkable. It goes from an incredibly expensive prescription to just simple over the counter. And um, sounds like a good thing to add to the skin regimen. For sure. It's also good for acne. It's good for scars. It's good for pigment changes. I need need something for acne right now. My, my mask, my mask knee, my mask acne is, is, uh, is getting to me. So this could be a, this could be a benefit for all of us who are suffering from this, from chronic mask use. It can be a little bit irritating to the skin. So especially if it's going to be skin that's going to be covered by a mask, just be sure to moisturize if you're getting too dry or give yourself a break if you're getting too dry. And this moisturize thing you speak of, um, what's that? (laughs) So you might not be aware of this, but there are these particular products out there that are intended to help hydrate the skin. So we said this could be number three for why men should care about their skin. Your skin can make you more comfortable or at least make you less uncomfortable. 
So the dry, chapped hands may have been good enough for your dad, but is it really for you in this era <laughs> of comfort in the Anthropocene? I was going to say we don't shake hands anymore, though, so I think you can get away with dry chapped skin now. <laughs> dry, true. dry chapped hands, but anyway. Yeah. True, like in that culture, like having a, a yeah. hardened hand was, um, you know, a status symbol. And like there when, they'd, was, yeah. when they'd shake my hands, uh, you know, the first comment was how soft and smooth they were. And that was not a good thing. <laughs> oh, these are hands like a woman, boy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but as a but, podcaster, Scott, you probably didn't go around shaking people's hands, hoping for like his really rough chapped hand. You, you know, you're kind of like, yeah, yeah Some, it's different something cultures. in between. Yeah. Yeah, so um, it's becoming a little bit more uh, accepted then. Is that your take, Dr. Johnson, to, to do these things to add more comfort? Well, I think overall, yes. I'm not sure if the rancher community still feels that way. <laughs> but I've seen plenty of ranching and outdoor type guys who come in because their hands are so itchy and painful that they want some relief. Yeah, they can't work anymore if that happens. So what do you, what do, you do in that case? How, how do you make your skin a little bit more comfortable? What are a couple of things we could do? Well, moisturizers work not by adding moisture to your skin, but preventing your natural moisture from leaving it. So our skin is the way it is in part because there's a lot of water in our body, and that water trickles up through various means and gets into the skin, and in a lot of us keeps it well hydrated. And then all of these lotions and moisturizers and creams and things are ways to prevent that water from evaporating away from your skin. In dermatology, we call that transepidermal water loss, T-E-W-L, or TUL. And the thicker and greasier a moisturizer is, the more effective it is at reducing that water loss from your skin. So is a moisturizer different from lotion? A lot of lay people use the term lotion to refer to moisturizers, but dermatologists care about the difference. Moisturizers come in a lot of different ways. They come as lotions, which are sort of light and get pumped out of a bottle often. They come as creams, which are thick and get scooped out of a jar. They come as ointments, which are greasy like Vaseline. You can also get oils and butters and things like that if you really go into the weeds. So it sounds like you're saying Vaseline might be one of the best things as a moisturizer. Thick, greasy. I mean, is that is that just, I mean, it's super cheap, super easy to get. Is that like kind of the go-to if it's just really bad? Vaseline is my favorite. Nice. I like to say Vaseline is the bomb. B-A-L-M. Get it? I made that one up myself. I love it. So just 100% petroleum jelly. It's cheap. It does a great job moisturizing the skin and nobody gets allergic to it. Okay. So at the beginning of the show, I mentioned how sometimes I get itchy, especially my legs, lower legs around my ankles. Um, I should be using moisturizer or Vaseline and not lotion is what I'm hearing. To, in order for it to work, because I feel like lotion, I still kind of itch. Well, maybe you're itchy because you have scabies, but if you're itchy because <laughs> you have dry skin, then yes, you could use a thicker, greasier moisturizer. I've got to share this because this is my, this is what I call like my, my life support approach for, and then I've, I've recommended this to patients in the ER who come in with just hands that are so dry and so cracked that they're bleeding and they're disgusting. And I have to say, sometimes my hands, despite using moisturizers every night, get to this point with all the hand sanitizer and dry air. My life support for my hands is I put Vaseline on them and I wear, you know, just like these cheap throwaway little knitted, you know, $2 gloves to bed at night. It's crazy, but that's what I do. And it works. <laughs> that's wow, the kind really? of thing we recommend to people too. So that's a great idea. This is what, that's what you recommend. Nice. I, I just, I started doing it because I was like, I don't know what else to do. This is so bad. Yeah. You can buy like a 12 pack of these white cotton gloves on Amazon for something like a dollar or two per pair and use yeah. them that way. 
Yeah, there's you know it's super cheap, and you know I find you can use them a few nights. It's you know they get a little greasy and kind of gross, but yeah, that's interesting. You're recommending that because that's been my go-to to tell patients, and I just say this is what I do when my hands are so dry and so cracked and just hurt from this alcohol-based hand sanitizer and dry cold air. And we're more and more using that, right? And then the, yeah. the, the day and era we're in. So, do you just, by the way, this is a little off topic, Troy. Do you just wash those gloves, and do you wash them by themselves when they get so greasy that they're gross, or what do you do? Uh, I they seem to wash out just fine in my laundry. Like I'll throw them in just with the laundry. It's not like they're getting other stuff contaminated okay. and gross. All I just right. I'll use them for a few nights, and you know, like like Doctor Johnson said, you can get them super cheap. It turns out, you know, one to two dollars a pair, and use them for a few nights, cycle through them, wash them. But I find that after a couple nights of using it, it's like it gets my hands back, you know, to where they're not just so cracked and painful, and I can just use a hand moisturizer. You know, even though I'm more enlightened than the average ranch kid, uh, I found myself wanting to, oh, tease you, Troy, a little bit. Yeah, but I, I assume. The point of, but the point yeah. of this podcast is to have these types of conversations and realize that we can do these things, right? It's, it's totally fine. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Scott. See, like, <laughs> I, I feel like I've revealed too much here. I've shared my skincare regimen. I've shared my my first aid for cracked hands, which, which Laura, my wife, makes fun of me for doing when I do it. So I've, I've shared a lot. So I've really opened up today. <laughs> well, since you mentioned the hand sanitizer issue in coronavirus world, we're all washing our hands a lot more. So we're seeing more of this hand dermatitis. So if just a couple times a day moisturizing your hands isn't good enough, then moisturizing them after every hand washing is also helpful. Okay. okay. Or doing this kind of emergency treatment that, well, it's not emergency treatment, but the, the treatment that Troy does, you put Vaseline on and then gloves. Yeah, that'll help. Okay. But you're saying maybe just carry a bottle of some kind of, you know, lotion moisturizer in your pocket after you sanitize, put a little bit of that on your hands. Yes. And there are sanitizers that have more moisturizing properties. We have some of those in the hospitals. Super enlightening. How much should men care about their skin? I think we outlined, you know, kind of a a stepwise method, like at very least worry about the sun because that can have major impacts to your health. Uh, If you want to look young and vigorous longer then. You know, you can go to the next step. And if you want to take it even further, you can live more comfortably by taking it to the next step. Dr. Johnson, do you have any final thoughts for us when it comes to the topic of how much should men care about their skin? Well, I think the answer to that question should probably be more than most of them do. <laughs> okay, <laughs> And it sounds like you've given us some great starting points. You know, like I said, I again, it was tough for me to, to share all this personal information, but I do have my skincare regimen. But I love what you told us about that different cream. I mean, it sounds like that's a great thing to use as well. The different gel and, um, you know, something that it's easy enough to add to the whole skincare thing. Dr. Johnson, thank you for being on the podcast and thank you for caring about men's health. Happy to do it. Troy, launch us into this thing. Okay, Scott. So I'm a researcher. Yeah, that's, that's, part of my that's job. how to grab a listener's attention right there. <laughs> okay, Scott. Hey, guys, I do research. <laughs> research is cool. I love science. So I am a believer in evidence-based medicine. And this is something I teach our residents. It's find the science behind what you do and adjust your practice in the ER, whatever you do, based on science. So I came across an article I really liked, and it has nothing to do with medicine per se, but it's just about trying to live a good life, as they call it. This is from an, a journal or a, sorry, a magazine called The Skeptical Inquirer. And I like this article. It's called Nine Evidence-Based Guidelines for a Good Life. And I liked it because it, they looked at studies that have been done on different societies and different people and tried to find 
what came of those studies that really showed this is what leads to a happy life to a good life. Yeah, because there's a lot of people have opinions on that. Like to have a good exactly. life, you should do this or have a good life, you should do that. But yeah. they've actually researched these. Yeah, these are from okay. population based studies. And you may have seen studies at various times that have brought these points out. That this is what has shown in, you know, very happy societies or, or different communities. This is what seems to lead to that happiness. So I'm going to go through these pretty quickly and focus on a couple that really stood out to me. So the nine points they really brought out in this article. So number one was exercise your body and your, in your brain every day. And we talk about this all the time. Uh, it's pretty straightforward. Number two, count your blessings. So gratitude. Number three, try to see others' points of views. I know that's one you don't quite agree with but that was one of their points no, they brought out yeah I, I i like just have my own point of view <laughs> that's all that matters the rest of you yeah. you're fools exactly uh, number four people not things make you happy sure i've i've heard that i like that a lot although i still go to amazon more than i should i know and, and it's a very brief satisfaction but it, yeah it's it's really people that make you happy not the stuff you buy work to earn to live don't live for your work yeah, sure. So you're earning so you can live, not just living for what you're doing. Uh, number six, keep reminding yourself it's not all about me. That's kind of like the whole perspective thing as well. Again, I know you mentioned you disagree <laughs> with number six as well. I'm the exception of that. That's all right. Uh, just teach your kids how to cope. Uh, number eight, use your conscious reasoning to slowly make the changes you want. Kind of an interesting thing. Yeah, and we've talked about that a lot, yeah. right? As opposed to just going from zero to 60, what's the next little progression you yeah. can make? And I, I find that, yeah, that's good. I like that. Yeah, like a slow progression. And again, yeah, using reasoning, reevaluating what, what kind of changes can I make? The number nine on this list, when stressed, pers- pro- sorry, when stressed, process your worries consciously. So looking at what you're worrying about, trying to make changes. So a few things that stood out to me were number one, uh, that number three one I mentioned of looking at others' perspectives. I think that's something that we often get very sort of bogged down in our own perspective. We don't really see others' points of views. And I think often we become frustrated maybe with coworkers, maybe family members, because things aren't the way we want them to be. But they've shown that people are much happier when they can step away from themselves, step out of themselves, put themselves in other people's shoes, whether that's through empathy, whether it's just trying to understand where people are coming from. And that seems to make a big difference. Um, any that stood out to you from this list, Scott? I like when stress process your worries consciously, because I think as men, we don't do that very well. I think, I think we experience an emotion and, and, and we don't really sit and go, why am I experiencing this? What is causing this? What's the core root cause of that? And I think worries are the same thing. Yeah. Uh, I think that, um, you should really stop and think about, is this really something to worry about or not? I think we get the emotion of worry and we just assume that that's a bad thing as opposed to going, well, what's the worst thing that can happen too? That's another way I like to process it. So I like that a lot. Yeah. And that stood out to me too. I mean, just recently I've just, I've just kind of felt on edge and it was just this last week and I was like, why am I feeling on edge? And we've had some issues come up just financially, just with our house and some stuff that came up completely out of the blue, just totally blindsided us. And, and I, I tried to process that and say, okay, why am I frustrated? This is it. What am I going to do? This is what I can do. This is how I can manage it. And so it was processing that worry consciously that number one, helped me feel less worried and is, you know, leading to results to try and address this issue. Yeah. And guys are good at that. We're good at trying to solve the problem. <laughs> we so. are good at that. Yeah. Probably to a fault. But yeah. then I think, it, you know, maybe we don't get to the point where we identify the problem. Yeah. Um, 
lastly, I think I like number one, exercise yeah. your body, which is part of our core four, obviously. And, and exercising your body has so many benefits beyond just your body. It also can affect your mental health and whatnot. But your brain every day. And in this article, they say, you know, even doing something like anything kind of goes like learning how to play guitar or um, learning a foreign language, just as long as you kind of stick with it and you're giving your brain that same kind of activity in the same way that you're giving your body yeah. make a huge difference. So yeah. I think that's another good thing to think about. And we've talked about that before you use exercise to deal with stress, but what happens if that coping mechanism right. goes away? Yeah. And that's something I worry about. <laughs> so, <I don't laughs> so you better pick up the guitar, Troy. I better pick up the guitar yeah. or the ukulele. All right. You can get a link to this and read the whole article. If you want, it's some good stuff in here. If you go to who cares, just look for the article nine evidence-based guidelines for a good life. All right, time for just going to leave this here. It might have something to do with um, health. It might not. I'm going to start with my just going to leave this here, the role in the microbiome fighting off colds, flus, and other illnesses. Uh, I noticed personally a huge difference when I started eating more vegetables. I eat a couple, maybe three servings of vegetables in the morning. I make kind of a faux omelet. And then I usually have some vegetables in the afternoon. And ever since I've started eating better in that respect, I've noticed that my immune system seems to be able to ward off colds and flus and stuff, which I used to get a lot, a lot better. So I wanted to look this up a little bit, and I didn't have a ton of time, but the Seattle Times had an article from a nutritionist that said about 80% of your body's immune cells live in your gut or your intestine. And then it goes on to say the population of bacteria and other microbiomes um, that make up your gut microbiome play a big role in the strength of your immune system and then they talk about the types of foods that will help strengthen your microbiome and you're never going to guess what types of foods troy fruits and vegetables you talk about it all the time there more, we go. more specifically that's the key um so first of all you know um like yogurt uh, has that in it fermented foods has stuff that the microbiome likes but a plant-based diet with lots of fruits and vegetables, along with beans, lentils, whole grains, nuts, and seeds will give your friendly microbes plenty to eat. And did, apparently, you just, did you just cite the Mediterranean diet? It uh, sounds like, like I a did. recurring theme. It is. Yeah. So once I mean, again. It's, yeah, it's amazing. Um, you know, Fights colds, helps your heart, yep. all the above. Yep. So it just comes back to our core four plus one more, how important nutrition is. I have experienced this myself. There might be more robust research out there. But anyway, it's worked for me, so. I love it. And exercise, too. Absolutely. I mean, that makes a difference, too, I think. I feel like exercising definitely has helped me to keep from getting as sick or as frequently sick as I used to get. So I'm just going to leave this here. Scott, are you ready for winter? No. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not My either. wife and I were talking about this just the other day. We're just not even ready for it. I used to love winter. I'm trying to get myself psyched for winter. So I'm just going to leave this here. I'm not ready for winter. <laughs> well, you got no choice. It. It's coming whether you like it or not. I know. What yeah. can you do? All right. Time to say the things that people say at the end of podcasts. Uh, let's try to split this up this time, Troy. You've, you've kind of been bogarting the whole, <laughs> the whole thing. So. <laughs> well, I've just got my list in my head. And once I get going on the list, I'm just like, I gotta, like a, I've got to hit all these, all these things. Like a freight train. Yeah. So yeah. Um, we're, wherever podcasts can be found, Spotify is one of the most popular places people are listening to Who Cares About Men's Health. But we're also on iTunes and Stitcher and the other places as well uh, to find out where you can go to whocareismenshealth.com. Also, we'd love to hear from you. Hello at thescoperadio.com. You can check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash whocaresmenshealth. Our website is whocaresmenshealth.com. We'd love to hear from you. Get back with us. Feedback would be great. 
I'd love to get some health questions, topics, anything like that. It's all very helpful, and it can ensure that we are talking about the things that matter and you care about. Thank you very much for listening, and thank you for caring about men's health.